Hey everyone, welcome to Game Over. Oh, I am really quiet, aren't I? Uh, welcome to Game Over, the first one of the year following a loss as the Calgary Flames drop a 5-2 decision to the Penguins of Pittsburgh. Uh, my name is Peter Klein. Um, Audie was usually one, the one who got to do the losses last season, so this is uh, new territory for me today. Um, yes, coming up on this show, we are going to look at whatever went wrong for the Flames in their loss here against the Pittsburgh Penguins, some things that went right, and we will get to your questions at the end of it. As always, if you are liking, or sorry, if you are, we'll get to that. If you're watching on YouTube, like the video, uh, subscribe to the channel, you know, a little thumbs up gives me a, a nice boost. But let's, um, and also in the chat, I'm seeing some Leaf stuff in the chat. Um, so hopefully that's, that stops. But um, anyway, this was a strong game for the Calgary Flames until it wasn't. Um, hopefully this is a strong stream. If you guys, uh, if, if there's any issues, this is my first one of the year and I'm always very worried about technical issues. So uh, please let me know if anything, um if anything is going wrong. But, okay, let's get into it. Uh, the, the Flames had a one nothing lead going into the third period, and then... Uh, Pittsburgh comes out, scores two goals in the first 40 seconds of the hockey game, and it would get worse, as Calgary gives up five in the third period, falling 5-2 to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, just an, an absolute collapse by the Flames. There's no other way to put it. This isn't going to be yelling and screaming or anything like that. Um, this is just, like, factual. The Flames played poorly in the third period. Um, and Pittsburgh didn't. That's basically what this game comes down to. But th I, I think there's a, a bigger thing than that than just like shoulder shrug emoji and yeah, 20 minutes, hey? Um, I think there was a, a bit of an, an issue all night long with the Flames being a little bit sloppy with the puck. That This was something that was a, a problem even when it looked like things were going well. There a lot of turnovers, a lot of passes that just missed, uh, something that we saw a lot last season that came back once again this year. A lot of shots that missed the net. So we, we saw some issues with this Calgary Flames squad that didn't come back to bite them in the first period, but it did come back to bite them in the third period as the, the Penguins were able to take advantage. And specifically, what they were able to take advantage of were turnovers. Lots and lots and lots and lots of turnovers. Uh, you could make a joke about the, the bakery and stuff like that, but I'm not 100. Um... Look at the, the, the first goal. Sidney Crosby makes a strong play. Uh, bing, bang, boom. It ends up in the back of the net. Um, also, then you get uh, another turnover. And look at that. Bing, bang, boom. It ends up in the back of your net. And then there's a face-off play. But then another turnover. Um, the, and then the puck ends up on the stick of Evgeny Malkin. That's a bad spot for a puck to end up when you've just turned the puck over. And instead, that was uh, where it went, and it went into the back of the net. And at that point, the, the game is done. But this is something that Calgary has to, to mind, because I thought there was a, a touch of sloppiness in their game against the Winnipeg Jets on opening night. And look, we are now 141st of the way through this hockey season. There's a bit to go that they can... This isn't irreparable by any stretch. Hey, just don't turn the puck over as much. Cool? Cool. That's basically where we are at with this Flame squad. There was just too much sloppiness, too much, oh, let's just try this home run pass. The Penguins were right there, and then it was the wrong people that came in and took advantage of it. It's three goals off of turnovers and one off of a blown coverage on a face-off play. And I get, like, 
A, Pittsburgh's really good at faceoffs, and that is, I think, an area that gets overlooked a touch. I know that there's some debates on it either way. I'm not here to legislate faceoff wins today, but the it feels like, just a thought here, it feels like maybe don't leave the Penguins' leading scorer from last season wide open. Just a thought. Like, just, just uh, make a note for next time. Don't leave the guy who scored 36 goals a season ago wide open for a one-timer off of a face-off. It's a nice set play where Gensel comes in off of the wall, cuts across the entire, to steal a baseball, uh, baseball, geez, to steal a football term, cuts across the entire formation, and it's just wide open there because that can create a little bit of chaos. Uh, we saw Coronado go from his spot, beeline up to the, the blue line where the, the puck ended up being. I don't know if that's necessarily his guy, but it certainly created a, a lot of confusion. And if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins, I would say having a set play off of faceoff wins would be a smart way to go because you have Sidney Crosby, who's still like the best in the world at winning faceoffs. And that was... It, it was just a magically set up play by the Penguins. You can do nothing but tip your cap. Uh, cap. I'm not going to because my hair looks atrocious. But the the Penguins had everything set up. It was turnover, took advantage, quick bang scores. You have faceoff win, quick opportunity, and it's in the back of your net. That is what the Pittsburgh Penguins can do. And it is what they did to great success in this game with a 5-2 win. Um, this was another night where another issue that I had was just overall lack of control in the defensive end. I, I thought they got away with it on night one against the, the Winnipeg Jets because Jacob Markstrom turned into a literal brick wall for most of that game and was just unbeatable. And so when you have that happening, it certainly does kind of cover up a number of different flaws that you may be having. But in this one, and Markstrom was still great, and we will get to that as as this stream goes along, but the, the defensive breakdowns were still there. This team, it felt like, for lack of a better term, it felt like they were chasing it all night in the defensive zone. Um, th this looked like a team that um, just kind of didn't really have a plan. And I get like, you're going to lose something defensively when you go from Daryl Sutter to almost literally anyone that that's going to be, you know, there's going to be a downside to that. There's not much of a downside. I think most people in this chat would agree that the lack of Daryl Sutter is not a problem for this Calgary Flames team this season, but you do have, um, certain defensive structures that have been lacking in the first couple of games. It feels like there's been a couple of the times where if they were playing NHL 24, that weird little full pressure thing would come up and the, the boards would turn red. And I haven't played the game yet. I'm assuming a demon comes out. But it, it feels like there's a couple of times where it would be the full pressure moment for the, the Pittsburgh Penguins and Calgary is just chasing. There's no, okay, well, you get this guy, you get that guy. It's kind of just everyone running around with their heads cut off. That... Doesn't seem like the most ideal defensive strategy against anyone, but specifically against the Penguins. And one thing you have to be mindful of against the Penguins is Eric Carlson is going to go down into the offensive zone and just have a time for a little bit. And Calgary just kind of seemed like, wait, if he's there, then who's... Wait, what? How is this happening? There was just, there was no game plan for it. And so this is something that has to get tightened up. Markstrom has been phenomenal through a couple of games, and we'll get to that a little bit more. The problem is he's had to be, because this team's defensive structure has been a major issue. Now, Winnipeg has some offensive firepower, but it's not Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Rowley Smith, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, Jake Gensel, you know? It, it's not those guys. 
when you go up against some of these higher-powered teams and you're going to be facing it all season long. Don't know if you know this, the Edmonton Oilers, pretty good at putting the puck in the net. Colorado, kind of awesome at it. Vegas, not bad. Seattle can do it as well. Uh, Vancouver had a guy who, until Austin Matthews scored three again tonight, was leading the NHL in goals because he scored four the other night, and he's not even their best player. There are a lot of very good offenses in the National Hockey League. The Penguins are one of them, um, but the Flames made them look a whole lot better than I think they necessarily needed to in game one. A um, couple other things of note from this one. I I've seen it noted a couple of times here in the chat. And by the way, we are going to do, um, if you're new to the streams for 23-24, for we're going to do the press conference at the end, um, SDP style. So a, a lot of questions going to be answering um, there. I am going to be trying to, to monitor, monitor the, um, the, the the YouTube chat. I don't know if you've noticed this so far, but I, I am but one person on this one. No guest this evening. That Psychosis Max uh, isn't just going to start talking. This is just me. So there's uh, a couple of things might slip through the cracks on ye old chat. So if you have something that you, you directly want to ask me specifically, um, by all means, save that for the, uh, the the end. If you guys are just chatting in there and there, we got a lot of activity in the chat tonight, really do appreciate that. Um, but by all means, like keep while I'm talking, you guys can have your conversations in there. That's fine. But if there's anything you want me to directly address, save that for the end. All of that being said, I did see here in the chat that there was, uh, where was this? Matt C said, one team has legit top, uh, top tier stars, one team genuinely lacks them. And that feels like it's a touch harsh, but not overly incorrect for how this game went down tonight. Because this one felt like the Penguins' best players were their best players. It kind of felt like the third period, Crosby or Malkin was just always on the ice. It kind of felt like both of them were out there at the same time, which doesn't feel correct, because I don't think they would have played the full 20 minutes. But it felt like the Penguins' top players were just out there the whole game. Um... Or on the flame side, like there were some chances. Huberto banks it in off of um, off of Gensel in front. That's neat. Lindholm gets a shot. That's fine. Kadri makes a steal, sets up Ruzichka. That's cool. But there was no like, hey, let's. And it's something I called for last year. But there was no. All right, let's go on and win this hockey game tonight, shall we? What we saw that in the third period against Winnipeg, we did not see it in this one. Um, the the, the Flames top players just kind of blended in with the crowd in this one, while the Penguins top players. They were the top players of this game, and that's something that needs to change. Um, it was a big problem last year, and it has now crept up into this one. And e even with the Flames um, getting a, a big shift in the third period that leads to the game-winning goal from them in game one, that still came with like a minute and a half left. So for most of that game, it was still kind of they just blended in with that game. Um, and when you have Huberto, who is making what he is making, and you have Lindome, who wants to be making what Huberto is making, then you need those guys to step up. And I just don't feel like they have in the first couple of games. And they've tried to get them going with Kadri, uh, with Manjapani, with a couple of those guys, and it just really hasn't worked. It's very clearly working in Pittsburgh. And now they have a pretty extensive history to have a proof of concept with, where th this version of the Calgary Flames doesn't necessarily, but... The, the Flames' top guys did not step up in the same way that the Penguins' top players did in this one. Um, and the last one here on the Peter shits on the Flames portion of this uh, particular program. Um, when you play a team in the back part of a back-to-back, -back, the, the second of the back part, you know, second game of a back-to-back, -back, 
the third period should be yours, right? Like, it, it should be, if anyone is going to be scoring five goals in the third period, it should not be the team that's playing minutes 100 through 120 of their last 24 hours, right? Like, it, it feels like if a five-goal third period is going to be happening, uh, happening, it should be the fresher Calgary Flames, not the oldest team in the NHL coming off of a back-to-back -back where they played Washington the night before. Um, so it's, it's a really, really disappointing night for the Flames in that sense as well, because of the, the circumstances where Pittsburgh had just played, and I don't think Calgary did enough to make life difficult for the, the Penguins. They didn't have to grind for their offensive chances, we discussed that. The neutral zone was just free and clear for Pittsburgh all night to, to just race through. They, they really didn't make Pittsburgh work for their chances. And I'm not saying we have to go back to Daryl Sutter Hockey, I'm just saying, let's not make life super easy on the opposition from now on. That, I think, would be great. Like I said, we're going to do the press conference at the end of the um, the, the the end of the stream here. That's going to be segment three. But while you are here, uh, the chat is bumping tonight. Um, we got 40 people in there. Like, the, uh, like this video, I think I'm doing great so far. Subscribe to the channel. Uh, that stuff really does help, gets gets us going into the, the algorithm. We kind of got algorithm to death last year. Um, we're hoping that or we're hoping that doesn't happen this year. And if YouTube sees, hey, this video is getting a lot of likes, ah, we better not give it to anyone. That's not how algorithms work. So give us a bit of a boost. Like this video. Share it with your friends as well. Um, we, we got some Pens fans in here. We got some Flames people uh, in the chat as well. It's a good time. Should be a lot of fun on a Saturday night talking some hockey. I'm having a Last talking with you guys here in this my my third go around with game over. Um, you can follow me. My name is Peter Klein. I am at Primetime Klein on Twitter slash X, uh, Instagram, and TikTok. There were some bright spots for the Calgary Flames. This was not all doom and gloom, although the, the last 20 minutes of hockey may lead you to believe that. There was actually some positives from a, a flame standpoint. Um, Matt Coronado scores his first career NHL goal. Unfortunately, it does come in a losing effort, but it was everything you would want it to be. That type of a goal is the goal that, like, people who score just, like, little dribbler that gets through or the puck bounced in off of your skate, that's the type of goal that people pretend they score for their first career NHL goal. When you're dreaming of your first NHL goal, I'm sure one of the, the dreams is... I hammer in a one-timer top shelf against Sidney Crosby, right? Like, and that's exactly what it is. And that's why people are so excited about Matt Coronado. He has all of the offensive gifts you would want. That uh, one-timer apparently is a very good tool in the tool case because holy hell was that thing bombed. It wasn't like it... It feels like it had more precision to, than to say ball. Like, lasered feels like the, the way that it, like, it was just whatever you want to, however you want to describe it, that was just chef's kiss. Phenomenal shot from Matt Coronado. Um, he has a wrist shot that, that goes along with it as well. And the thing that you like from someone who is still so young, uh, especially in the, the National Hockey League, the instincts are there, right? Like, he he knows where he is supposed to be offensively. That There was the one play, I believe it was a preseason game, where, yeah, it was, because he scored. Um, he, he got a, a deflection as he was going by, and instead of just kind of flying by and circling back around, it was a deflection, and he stayed right there and, and put it in. And it's just, it's those little things that kind of seem obvious when they're happening, but so many times in this game, you'll see a guy just do, like, a, a drive-by, and it's a, a deflection, and he scores. Uh, or, and he doesn't score, and he's just, like, circles back around, like, okay, what are we doing? This kid knows the, the openings. He, he has an understanding of, A, 
what his strengths are. I think he knows what his weaknesses are as well. Like you can already see him kind of figuring out how he can, for lack of a better term, game the system with, um, in the national hockey league, he has everything you want to be a high end offensive player. All of the hype is absolutely deserved around this kid. And you see it in one big shot for the flames. Um, that was, that, that was really, really good so far uh, for, for Matt Coronado. Um, the, the other one, I thought Markstrom was great again tonight. I, I really liked what, what he was able to do. Again, 5-2, you're not going to expect the, the host to come on and say, hey, you know who was awesome? The goalie whose team gave up five. But it, it felt like a good Jacob Markstrom night again. Um, maybe you would like the Malkin one, but you would really like for Hannafin to not turn the puck over at the blue line, leading to one of the best players in the history of the sport getting the puck on his stick about near far away. Um, that, that, that seems like it would be the, a suboptimal result from a play. So while it feels like that's one where you liked for him to get in front of, Many men have tried to stop Evgeny Malkin from point blank, and many have failed. So I'm, I'm not going to put really any of these goals on him tonight. Like I said before, you have three goals that come off of turnovers, and you have one coming off of a, a set play, uh, like Will, our moderator, said. Um, uh, that, that's a set play that, that the Penguins run often, and they, they ran it to perfection in this game. There's nothing that Markstrom could do. There was a lot he could do in the first period, and he did kind of all of it. That kick save on Crosby in front on the uh, the, the power play chance that led to a, a scramble in front where he makes the, the diving save. There, there was just so many quality opportunities, especially with Pittsburgh getting so many power plays in the first period. That felt like uh, another one, just like the Winnipeg game, where it could have gone sideways very quickly. And last year, probably would, gone, would have gone sideways very very quickly, but Markstrom was that steadying force between the pipes for the Flames, who stepped up in a big-time way um, against one of the better offensive teams in the National Hockey League. So, a, a couple of bright spots for the Flames going into this one. All right, uh, it is now time for um, the question portion of this this evening. Uh, we will take your questions here in the chat. After you've liked the video and subscribed to the channel, that that is, uh, I mean, not really a prerequisite. I have no way of telling. But yeah, like the video, subscribe to the channel, share this uh, video with your friends, follow uh, SDPN Sports on all social media platforms, and, you know, give me a follow too. Uh, I am at Primetime Client. Well, while we are letting some of these come in, just kind of going through the, the chat a little bit, uh, Josh Depends, are you in my mind? Um, I don't think so. I'm barely in my mind enough, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, Huberto's on pace to beat 55 points this year. Takai, number one, regular from last year, back in this year. We agree, uh, greatly appreciate that. Yes, um, I was on, uh, Canuck Clay, uh, you'll, you'll know him from Game Over Vancouver. Um, I was on his stream today. He was doing a 12-hour marathon, kind of getting ready for the season. And we were talking about Huberto. I was like, well, it can't be as bad as it was last year. Like, literally, he didn't put up enough points last year to have the same point drop-off. So, um, but no, like he's, Huberto's been fine. It just hasn't been like the, oh man, this is, that this is a 100% Huberto game that this is him doing it. It's just kind of been like, oh, that was neat. Cool. You know, like that, that's kind of been the, the peak of, um, Jacob Markstrom so far this season. Um, surprisingly pleasant, uh, Pens fans in the chat. Yeah, they just scored five goals in the last, like, half hour of their lives. I would, I would be in a great mood if my team scored five in the third period to, to pick up a win. Uh, all right, let's just see. 
Uh, da, 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 All right. While the uh, while, while the questions are coming in, seems like there's been a pretty good chat in the uh, chat this evening. There are a couple of just quick hitter things I, I want to touch on, and then um, as I, I will continue to monitor while you guys are uh, sending in any questions you have about this game, about the Flame season in general, or anything like that. Uh, but by all means, send the questions in here right now. Um, just a couple of quick ones here. I I don't love Sharon Govich being a fourth-line center. Um, I feel like one of the reasons you bring him over is because he's underutilized with the, the New Jersey Devils a season ago. This kid's got offensive upside. He scored 20, uh, 25 goals in the National Hockey League. So use him. I, I, don't, I just don't think that you, you bring in this kid for Tyler Toffoli thinking, okay, the, the Flames can now maximize something out of him, and you know where they can do that, centering A.J. Greer and Walker Dewar. It, it just, it feels like not the best way to, to get the most out of this one. Um, so that, that's one that I, I would kind of like to see changed going forward. Uh, Will, in the chat asking, what do you think the Flames are missing that they need? Do they need to mesh under a new uh, season of a coach? Do they need a trade to fix things? That, that, that is an interesting question. I still think this team needs a little bit more offensively. Um, I, I think defensively, they have the players, right? Like, the, I, I think it's more the structure right now that is kind of failing them. But I, I do think that offensively, this team could use another just finisher. And that's another reason why I would like Sharon Govich to not be on the same line as A.J. Greer. Um, I, I would just rather he be up in, in an offensive facing position more often than not. So uh, I think that if you were to go out and make a move with this Flames group, I do think you would want to add a, a little bit more offensively. Like they're just, they, they have scored, what would it be now? I guess seven goals in the, the first two games this season, but it still feels like another year where most of these guys are going to have to work really hard to put the puck into the net. And I mean, that's the name of the game. It's the National Hockey League, but they don't have, aside from what seems like Coronado, they don't have just guy who just shoots and scores a bunch, you know? Like it's drives to the front of the net, puck bounces off of a dude, it ends up hitting his teeth and he spits the puck into the net. Like they have those kind of things where it just, you have to grind for every inch that you have. It would be nice to have a, a little bit more offensive upside on this team. Um, it's been something that's been talked about forever and always. But when you look at um, the, the the Toronto Maple Leafs, I know we're talking about the Leafs on an SDPN um, channel. But trust me, it's just, just follow me with me. Follow me on this one forever. There have been at least here buzzes of well, the Flames should trade for for William Nylander. Um, because the Flames, forever, have had extra defensemen, and the Toronto Maple Leafs, forever, have had defensive needs. Now, if they're going to score seven every night, that feels like it's not as much of a problem, but getting that type of a guy, like just a, a William Nylander type, um, someone along those lines, you know, and there's not many of them. I think William Nylander is kind of a special player, but getting one of those types of guys would certainly be uh, an area that I would like to explore from a Flames perspective. Um, do you think the Flames are allowing zone entry far too easily, or is it a case of getting used to a Sutter-less defensive scheme? Uh, they are certainly allowing zone entries way too easily. Like, it, it just, it felt like basically every zone entry tonight for the Pittsburgh Penguins was a clean one. Now, a few of those are because the Flames 
exited the zone with a pass that ended up getting stolen by Pittsburgh and they came back. So there's not going to be a whole lot of resistance, but it just felt like the neutral zone was way too easy for Pittsburgh tonight. And when you think about it, like this is a, a complex sport with high level athletes skating around on knives, shooting a piece of rubber and trying to get it the, the way they want to go. So it, this can be a complex sport. It can also be very simple. Uh, the team that wins the neutral zone wins this game a whole lot. If you can get through that neutral zone with speed, then boy, it makes it easier to set up a chance to, to put the puck in the net. If you have to grind your way through the neutral zone or you just don't get to carry the puck through at all and you chip it back and you have to go in and work for it, it all of a sudden, you have to spend 10, 15, 20 seconds getting anything set up and then you're just kind of hoping you get a chance. The, the neutral zone is such an important part and the Flames are certainly lacking in that area right now. And I would say that they are getting used to a Daryl Sutter-less uh, way of doing things like that. There are smart defensive players on this team, you know, like um, Tanev, I think is one of the, the smartest in the league. Rasmus Anderson is really good. You look at the forward group. Um, Elias Lindholm, I think is one of the better two way forwards in the national hockey league. Uh, Michael Backlund, ditto same thing like Dubé is fine on his own end Manjapani knows what he's doing Blake Coleman has been around this game for forever he he knows what he is doing in the the defensive zone and Kadri is a, a defensively responsible player as well I would say so you, you have players who know what to do it's just now getting a system in place and executing that and you would think you would have part of that nailed down because they played 45 preseason games but th it's Part of the, the early season. So I'm not pushing the panic button just yet. I, I do think, um, Josh depends that this was 100%, or this is 100%, a team that is still kind of figuring things out one year after they already had to just kind of figure things out a little bit. Keep the uh, questions coming here in the... Uh, the, the chat. I'll I'll kind of keep going until you guys, or as long as you guys are going in here as well. Uh, left-handed penman once another regular from last year. So shout out left-handed penman. Great to be chatting once again. Who comes off the roster to clear cap space in a potential potential trade for a goal scorer? Well, if you're going win now move for win now move, my my guess is like hypothetically. And I, I don't have cap friendly in front of me, and I'm scared to death of te technical issues, so I'm not going to pull it up. But if you're going to make a, a William Nylander move, say, I would say Hannafin's probably going back. And now you, you would have to then add a couple of other chunks of change on top of that. But I, I would say that a, like, if you wanted to make a blockbuster move, Hannafin is going to, to probably be involved. If you're just looking to clear cap space out of the way to, uh, to, to make this type of a splash, that there isn't really that obvious, oh, just put Lucic in there. You couldn't maybe get a team to take Blake Coleman's contract. I don't, off the top of my head, know if he has any type of no move or no trade. It would make sense that he would. That was a, a pretty big contract for, for, for him to sign um, with this Flames team. And so I, I, that might be a bit of a challenge, but he is one that you can, I don't want to say throw in because he's still effective, but I don't think he's one that you have to attach other draft compensation to get teams to pick up. Like if you are making this type of a move and you want it to bring in some salary, you can easily sell to the other team. Look, this guy's played and won in Stanley Cups before. Uh, really responsible, can play up and down the lineup here, take the $6 million. But you're right, like that there isn't um, a big Lucic contract or um, anyone like that where you can just say, oh, just get rid of that one and move on. So it would honestly probably have to be just a, a hockey trade, a, a player for player type of a, a thing. You couldn't just, oh, the Flames traded a third round pick and got a 30 goal scorer. If they're going to, to be making moves at the deadline to make this team better, then it's probably going to have to be 
uh, an actual legitimate hockey move. And look, we all know what's hanging over this team right now. So many unrestricted free agents, many of them saying they didn't want to be here, right? Noah Hannafin very clearly stated he didn't want to be, even in the country of Canada, playing um, games going forward, uh, at least as his home team. Now, in the first game, and parts of the second game, he looked every bit like a player who made a trade request and didn't get one. But um, you have Lindholm, who is on an expiring contract. You have Tanov on an expiring contract. All of the blue line, except for Uyghur and Anderson, are expiring contracts. There are a lot of those on this Flames team. So I, I think if Calgary is going to make a move, they're going to have to get very creative to, to do that. Now, I, I do think, like, I have confidence in, in Craig Conroy that he is going to be able to be a dude who can do that, but I, I do think that there, there's, this isn't going to just be, oh yeah, just ship off American Hockey League or X for um, for someone who can come in and really add to the offensive side of things. I, I think it's going to have to be a, a little bit more creative. Uh, how long until Coronado is starting is a starting first liner? Well, when's the next game? Monday? Uh, <laughs> maybe. Like, I I would put him up there. Um, but, see, here's the thing. Huberto and Lindholm have to get going, you know? So, like, I, I just talking this through right now, I think Coronado, to, to answer your question, Matt C, I think Coronado is, um, is certainly going to be a player who gets top-line minutes at points this season. So, I would say, if he hasn't at least touched the top line by the time... Christmas rolls around, I'll be very surprised. In the immediate, like right now it feels like, oh yeah, just put him out there. But the that top line specifically with Hubert Owen and Lindholm needs to, to get going a little bit. And so that feels like a lot of responsibility. Like, hey, thank you for scoring your first career NHL goal. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Do you mind if you could go on a top line and uh, be single-handedly responsible for getting our two most important players going? Thanks. That'd be great. It, it just, it feels like that's a lot of responsibility to put on him. So in a, in a perfect world, Huberto and Lindholm are just clicking, right? Like it's just pass one time or scores, pass one time or scores. Oh, look at that. He just flipped it. Lindholm did a backflip and battered a puck into that. Like in a perfect world, those guys are just on a roll and in a zone and it is working for them, but it's not. Um, once those guys do kind of get that, that chemistry figured out, then it would be good to, to put a younger player up there, uh, a Coronado or, or someone along those lines, a Sharon Govich even. But for right now, I think Manjapani is the, the right guy for the job. But yes, Coronado, to your point, Matsy, Coronado is absolutely going to be a guy who gets top line minutes for this Flames team. Um, I would say before the calendar flips to 2023, or sorry, 2024, and, um, for, for years and years and years to come, that that's, that's going to be a guy who is absolutely right there for the Flames. But yeah, um, as as Will is saying here, I think having him on the top power play and being second line would do a lot better for Coronado right now. Yeah, 100% agree with Will in the chat. Uh, Jay Money, another um, regular, I'm convinced there's like eight Jay Moneys because he's a regular everywhere um, with a, a, a strong meme game. For sure, uh, J Money eighty one and one is still in the cards. It absolutely still is J Money. Um, optimism abound as uh, the Calgary Flames look. Tonight was a, a tough one in that third period. Like that's a if that's a loss that happens in December, I'm probably yelling and screaming and and throwing that replica WWE championship against the wall. But it, it's it's still early in the season. There's still been more things to like than not about this Flames group, right? Like that was a a good win the other night and. It's, it, it feels a little bit like grasping at whatever, but 
after they gave up two goals in 40 seconds, I thought they responded well until they gave up the third. You know, like, that that does feel like I'm stretching to compliment a little bit, but I, I do think it's accurate. Like, that there was the, the, the two goals, and then they come in, and a couple of quick opportunities right away. They just don't capitalize. The Penguins do. And all of a sudden, the, the game feels like it's out of reach at that point. Markstrom 100% looks better. And I think this team will get better defensively as the season goes on. As that does happen, Markstrom's going to look better and better and better and better and better. Um, if... If you're in, in fantasy hockey, I, I went out of my way to, to draft him. I would absolutely try to acquire this guy because I, I think that his numbers are going to get better as the this season goes along. There's a lot more, I think, to be positive about from the Flames standpoint than there is to be negative. Uh, left-handed penman saying, thanks, Peter. You're welcome. Uh, I agree. I don't see an obvious move. I see a glut of left-handed wingers that play similar role, uh, similarly in Dubé, Mange, and Peltz. It'd be easier to trade one of them if Peltz was healthy. That's 100% accurate. Um, yeah, Dylan Dubé, at this point, I feel like the hypothetical value of Dylan Dubé might be more than what he brings to the Flames. Like, um, this is going to seem really harsh, but like the, the whole, the, the old office space thing, like the, what is it you do here? Like if you were to say, what's Dylan Dubé's role on this team? I would have a difficult time kind of nailing it down right now, because like you said, when, when healthy, the flames have a couple of guys who kind of just like play the role of Dylan Dubé a little bit better than, than Dubé does. Like he's fine, um, on the ice. And I, but if you are going to, to make a move and want to really upgrade the, the forward group, I think that that is absolutely a player that could be on the move. Uh, Will saying for fantasy, I picked up Rust like an hour before the game. Um, hurtful, but I mean, fair. Yeah, that works. I picked up Gensel. For some reason, I think he got dropped because someone in my league um, just kind of ran out of IR spots or something because um, he was hurt leading up to the, the beginning of the regular season. So I picked up Gensel. So look, was there a mini when uh well when when i saw it was Gensel who got the goal i mean maybe but look we're all competitive people here um okay it has been about 35 minutes of me just talking that's probably enough for you guys to deal with on this night so uh one more time thank you all so much for uh tuning in I, I have a blast doing these. Um, if you've followed my career at all, um, you know that there have been times where interactions with fans haven't gone uh, the, the best for your boy, but I have a blast with the, the community that has been started here with SDPN and, and Game Over Calgary. Um, the, the chats here are so much fun. I get excited to do these. I get excited to do every Game Over that I do. So let's keep these going. Share the, share the wealth. Um, get these videos out there. Like and subscribe to the channel. The next time you will hear from Game Over Calgary is Monday night when the Flames take on the Capitals of Washington. Audie James will have you covered for that venture for the Flames as they look to, to bounce back. Quickly, enough of the, the whole Audie curse thing. Audie's 1-0. I'm 0-1. So um, if anyone's cursed, maybe it's been flipped around onto me. But hopefully no curses and a better result coming up on Monday and throughout the week. That's going to do it. You guys are awesome. Hopefully you had a great time and we will talk to you all later.